ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय श्रीमद्भागवतम कैंटो वन चैप्टर टू टेक्स्ट टेन ट्रांसलेशन एंड कॉमेंट्री बाय हिज डिवाइन ग्रेस एसी भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी प्रभुपाद काम से नेन्द्रिय प्रीतिर लाभो जीवे चावता जीव से तत्व जिज्ञासा नाथो यशेहकामी ट्रांसलेशन लाइफ डिजायर्स should never be directed towards sense gratification one should desire a healthy life or self preservation since a human being is meant for inquiry about the absolute truth nothing else should be the goal of one's works purport the completely bewildered material civilization is wrongly directed toward the fulfillment of desires in sense gratification In such civilization in all spheres of life the ultimate end is sense gratification in politics world serve social service altruism philanthropy and ultimately in religion or even in salvation the very same tint of sense gratification is ever increasingly predominant in the political field the leaders of men fight with one another to fulfill their personal sense gratification the voters adore the so-called leaders only when they promise sense gratification as soon as the voters are dissatisfied in their own sense gratification they dethrone the leaders the leaders must always disappoint the voters by not satisfying their senses the same is applicable in all other fields no one is serious about the problems of life even those who are on the path of salvation desire to become one with the absolute truth and desire to commit spiritual suicide for sense gratification but the bhagavatam says that one should not live for sense gratification one should satisfy the senses only in so much as required for self preservation and not for sense gratification because the body is made of senses which also require a certain amount of satisfaction there are regulative directions for satisfaction of such senses but the senses are not meant for unrestricted enjoyment For example marriage or the combination of a man with a woman is necessary for progeny but it is not meant for sense enjoyment in the absence of voluntary restraint there is propaganda for family planning but foolish men do not know that family pan- planning is automatically executed as soon as there is search after the absolute truth seekers of the absolute truth are never allured by unnecessary engagement in sense gratification because the serious students seeking the absolute truth are always overwhelmed with the work of researching the truth in every sphere of life therefore the ultimate end must be seeking after the absolute truth and that sort of engagement will make one happy because he will be less engaged in varieties of sense gratification and what that absolute truth is is explained as follows thank you all for coming here this evening actually you shouldn't have to thank people <laughs> but because the whole atmosphere is full of sense gratification it's unusual to find people wanting to come and hear 
about Krishna. So, uh, therefore, we feel obliged to thank people for coming. Although, actually, the whole of Chicago, they must have some huge stadium here, capacity, 100,000, something like this. Last time I see it, there was some football game or something going on. Yeah, how big is the capacity? Must like 100,000, something like that, 80,000. So, there should be a... This lecture should be at that stadium and there should be people outside not able to get in. But if people were actually interested in their own real benefit, but because the whole society is polluted by wrong ideas, sense gratification, therefore, who will come to hear about Krishna? And even if we speak these topics, which is from Srimad Bhagavatam, which is non-different from Krishna, as uh, I often do, I usually do, <laughs> then uh, we won't find so many people are eager to come. If we speak about Krishna Leela, Gaur Leela, people will like to, the people, more devotees will come in here. But if we speak something that is uh, pertinent to their basic spiritual advancement, then we won't find that such a speaker is very popular. Uh, I consider myself fortunate that I heard from Srila Prabhupada and had faith in repeating what he spoke, what people need to hear rather than what they want to hear. But it won't be very popular because the completely bewildered material civilization is wrongly directed towards the fulfillment of desires in sense gratification. And even when they come to Krishna consciousness, people, uh, this point that, well, actually we have to give up sense gratification, it's not much stressed. Of course, in the beginning it may not be because uh, Srila Prabhupada, he often quoted this yinatena prakarena mana krishna nishevayat somehow or other get people's minds toward krishna but then if we are to fully come to krishna then we have to give up trishna if we want krishna we have to give up trishna or the thirst for material sense gratification. Nivrittata shairupagiyamanas bhavosha dachotramano bhiramat. Ka utama shloka gunarnavananam vina prashagnat. What is that verse? Gunarnavananam. Pumanvirajeti vina prashagnat. At the beginning of the tenth canto, uh, this statement is Parikshit Maharaj says that hearing about Krishna can actually be done on the platform of nivritta Trishna, people who have freed from desires for sense gratification. Hearing about Krishna is the medicine for material, for the disease of material life of repeated birth and death. And it is very pleasing to hear. 
So who will not want to hear? Only persons who are killing themselves. Killing themselves by misusing their life for sense gratification. And another kind of killer, killing yourself, is those who, in the name of spiritual life, want to merge into some impersonal oneness. So these are killing yourself. So this medicine, hearing about Krishna is the medicine. But medicine has to be taken along with this uh, the doctor should give some prescription how to live your life. The, in, a good doctor won't only tell you take the medicine, but he'll tell you now you have to take exercise, you have to eat certain foods and not other foods. So otherwise the medicine doesn't work. So the subject of Srimad Bhagavatam is, yeah, this purport that we read today, it ends with what that absolute truth is, is explained as follows. So the subject matter of Srimad Bhagavatam, actually in this verse which follows, the subject matter is the absolute truth. But what is that absolute truth? Vedanti tat tatva vedas tatvam yajnana madvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabhyate. Bhagavaniti shabhyate. Learned transcendentalists who know the absolute truth call this non-dual substance brahman, paramatma or bhagavan. So the absolute truth is known as impersonal brahman, localized paramatma and the supreme personality of Godhead, bhagavan. These are three phases of understanding the one absolute truth. Uh, but particularly Srimad Bhagavatam focuses on the topmost aspect of the absolute truth. Please try to listen. I know it's difficult. You're not used to listening to philosophical topics, but it's required. You've come here for hearing, so please try to listen. So, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam particularly focuses on the topmost aspect or perspective of the Absolute Truth, which is Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Bhagavan. Practically the whole Srimad Bhagavatam is for describing this topic. Krishna is to Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna is the, uh, he is Godhead himself. He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This uh, Jiva Goswami has elaborately explained the whole exposition of the Absolute Truth, Gauriya Vaishnava Siddhanta, in his Shat Shandarbha, his essays uh, explaining the Absolute Truth. The first is the Tattva Sandarbha, which establishes the Tattva. In the next verse we have Vedanti Tattva Vidas, those who know the tattva. They say. What do they say? That is described. So the first is establishing the subject matter and how to approach that. So that uh, Jiva Goswami establishes is through the Srimad Bhagavatam. And all the Sandarbhas, they could, they could be described as an elaborate commentary on this Krishna's two Bhagavans, this one line, Krishna is to Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. 
And the next verse, Vedanti tat tatna vidas tatnam yad jnanam adhyam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabdite. The Sandarbhas describe, uh, yeah, the, the Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, particularly Krishna, not other forms. They describe the Paramatma feature, bhakti, how to approach Krishna, priti, in love of Godhead, Paramatma, all these are the subjects of the Sandharvas. So then you may be asking, if this is the subject of Srimad Bhagavatam, which our, uh, in one way, Jiva Goswami can be said to be our main Acharya, he has established the Siddhanta, then why am I reading, why have I chosen to read today the verse before that? If I'm only going to be here one evening, and the subject matter of Srimad Bhagavatam is Vadanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yadgyanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti shabhute. The subject matter is Bhagavan, Krishna, who is also perceived uh, on less complete, in less complete perspectives as Brahman and as Paramatma. Then why didn't I read that verse? If I'm only here for one day, why didn't I read the essential verse? Why did I read the verse before that? Well, the to come to the point of Krishna, understanding Krishna, this verse, and actually the verse before that, these should be uh, considered, the verse before that also. There's actually this second chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, most essential for entering into and understanding Krishna consciousness. So, uh, the verses before this in this chapter they discuss the nature of dharma. Now, what is dharma is, in the modern materialistic civilization, there's no concept of dharma whatsoever. Even in modern India, it's to a large extent lost. People have no idea. Dharma is imbibed by, well, largely by hearing from childhood, the Ramayana, and living in a culture which promotes the importance of Ramayana, Mahabharata, Srimad Bhagavatam. But the modern society promotes sense gratification, either India or America or anywhere, particularly in America, but India is uh, not far behind. Well, actually, there's the same attitude in India, but it's just uh, not so, they're a long way to, they have to catch up in being degraded. They're trying their best, but uh, it'll take some time, I guess. So, uh, it discusses dharma, then uh, comes to the point of this verse which I just read. Kamasya nendriya pritir labho jiveta yavata jivasya tatva jigyasa nartho yascheha karma bihi. Life's desire should never be directed towards sense gratification. One should desire only a healthy life or self-preservation since a human being is meant for inquiry about the absolute truth. Nothing else should be the goal of one's works. So dharma, which uh, by observing dharma, one can lead a human life. Uh, without dharma, one is not even a human Ahara nidra bhaya maitunam cha samanyam etat pashubhya Animals and humans both eat, sleep, 
fear and engage in sexual activities. But dharmohitesham adhiko visheisham. For humans, there's the possibility of observing dharma, which animals cannot do. Therefore, uh, we can say that, that animal plus dharma equals human. And dharmena hina pashubhyanaranam. A human being without dharma is just an animal. If A plus B equals C, then C minus B equals A. So, got it right that time. So, uh, Animal plus dharma equals human being. So human being minus dharma equals an animal. So animals cannot understand about uh, animals or human beings who do not observe. Animals cannot understand and human beings who do not understand are simply like animals. So dharma... What is the purpose of dharma? That is explained in the verse uh, previous to this. Dharmasya hi apavargyasya narto tayopakalpate nartasya dharmaikantasya kama labhaya hismitaha. All occupational engagements, dharma, they're ultimately meant for liberation. We observe dharma, there's dharma artha kama moksha. So, in this verses, the word karma is used, sense gratification or sensual. It literally means desire. So, that is not denied, but ultimately one has to come to dharma, artha, karma, then moksha. There should be consideration of moksha, which is described here as apavarga, apavarga. They, occupational engagement, should never be performed for material gain. Furthermore, according to sages, one who is engaged in the ultimate occupational service should never use material gain to cultivate sense gratification. So the, the Srimad Bhagavatam is a commentary on the uh, Brahma Sutra, which begins with the declaration, Atato Brahma Jignasa. Now we should inquire into the nature of Brahman. The spirit, what is spiritual reality? What is, what is beyond this material world? What is, the, what is the ultimate purpose of life? So the Srimad Bhagavatam addresses this and points us to the ultimate reality who is Krishna. But we cannot properly understand Krishna if we are engaged in sense gratification. This, so that is why I read this verse and not the verse after that, which is ultimately more important. The actual subject of Srimad Bhagavatam is Krishna. But we cannot properly enter into the subject matter of Krishna unless we come to, uh, unless we understand this point, kamasya nindriya pritir. Everyone has desires, but they, one's desires should not be indulged in for the sake of sensual enjoyment. Which is why we only have a few people here this evening. Uh, and why in general 
our movement doesn't have many followers. People often ask that, well, you see, Swami so-and-so, bogus number one, Ananda, he has so many followers. There are so many rascals, Sri Shri's and hugging and the, the wheelchair, God just died. I think many of you are from Andhra. I saw so many Telugu books. So the local, the local uh, Telugu Bhagawan just passed away. Good riddance. So they have many followers. But they're not, they're not really, people ask, how come they have so many followers and you have so few? I say, it was very easy to follow such people because there's nothing to follow. All you have to do is just stick a picture on the wall and pray and maybe some vibhuti will come out. Some ghosts will carry some vibhuti. And then uh, you feel, and we feel that God will bless us. God will bless us means uh, I'll get some money and uh, my health problems will, family problems, everyone has so many problems. So God's job is to help me enjoy my life in this world. But the Srimad Bhagavatam begins at a level higher than this. Srimad Bhagavatam begins by discussing the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and how we are meant to serve Him. Not that we uh, ask Him to help us to enjoy sense gratification. That's rejected in the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam. Here, there it's stated in Srimad Bhagavatam, Dharma Projita Kaitava Atra. Here, herein, cheating religion is rejected. So that cheating religion means dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. That which is required to lead a human life, dharma, that is rejected in Srimad Bhagavatam. Not that dharma is totally rejected, but that the idea that we should observe dharma so that we can get artha, money, so that we can get kama to enjoy our senses or even that we can get moksha, that the idea that we will get free from the suffering of this world without surrendering to Krishna. All this is rejected in Srimad Bhagavatam. So this discussion is actually on a very high level. We, we are discussing very high topics here. And some qualification is required to enter into that. One cannot uh, approach Krishna... If one, one cannot actually make advancement in Krishna consciousness if we're simultaneously cultivating any other desire. Srimad Bhagavatam begins where Srimad Bhagavad Gita leaves off. In the end of Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Sarvadhaman Paritarja Mamekam Sharnam Raja. Give up all other dharmas and simply surrender to me. So it's a, it's a, a uh, tremendous demand. Actually, it's not because Krishna he that he should do and can do that. But if anyone asks us that you asks us to completely give ourselves to anyone else, we think it's like it's like slavery, isn't it? That you just give yourself over. Well, that's what Krishna is asking. So. 
People don't want to do that. Especially people want to pursue their own individual sense gratification. They don't want to give themselves to anyone else. In this country or in the modern age, we hear so much about people's rights, but we don't hear much about people's responsibilities and duties. What we, what we have to do for others, we don't hear very much about that, but we hear about what we should get for ourselves. But this is, this is opposite to the, uh, this is opposite to dharma. And bhakti or surrender, bhakti begins with surrender to Krishna. So, uh, it is possible to present bhakti without surrender to Krishna, but that is all cheating. There are many people who, uh, especially in North India we find, they, they speak on Bhagavad, uh, on Srimad Bhagavatam, telling all stories of Krishna. But they never teach people how they have to give up sense gratification, how they have to follow certain rules and regulations in bhakti, they never delineate the difference between surrender to Krishna and engagement in sense gratification. And they get many followers who come to hear for the sake of a pious type of sense gratification. They like to hear nice stories about Krishna. And many people will come, which means still people are pious. But if the speaker was to tell them what they actually need to do to advance in Krishna consciousness, then people wouldn't come because they have to give up sense gratification, which means, as in our society, no drinking tea, no watching television, uh, not cultivating desires to be a big shot in this world with some big money, and big house, big car. If we tell people this, then... Uh, the following will melt away and then the speaker will not be popular and he won't get his sense gratification which people give by giving him money. So it's all, much of what goes on in the name of bhakti is simply cheating. Because at the very beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam states that all cheating is kicked out here but the cheaters, they take Srimad Bhagavatam and use it as another medium for cheating. Pious cheating we can say. Uh, still somehow or other people are hearing about Krishna. The tendency to hear about Krishna is better than the tendency to hear about Spider-Man or, or whoever the latest, uh, Paris Hilton. I, I saw something today. Where did I see? I can't remember. Any, I, anyway, just, uh, I mean, if we say it as openly as Prabhupada would, but nowadays we're not supposed to, but I will say, because I'm a follower of Prabhupada and not a follower of political correctness, she's just a prostitute, that's all. If you say it openly, it means she's very low class. But considered high class, I don't know why, because she, money, money, so-called good looks, famous. So fortunately, Srila Prabhupada spoke very clearly to delineate sense gratification, the life of sense gratification from that of surrender to Krishna. And he made it very clear that you, to us who were born in the West in a hedonistic society that you can't have both. You can't have Krishna and be an enjoyer of this world. 
That doesn't mean that you have to sit on a, or lie down on a bed of nails. It doesn't mean that. You can live uh, a moderately comfortable life, but one should not make one's goal in life to be so-called materially successful, which is a, just a, a fantasy, as the people are now waking up from the American dream that we shall enjoy life and finding that it's turning into a nightmare. So, uh, Srila Prabhupada describes this. Interestingly, this uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, this part of Srimad Bhagavatam, the first canto, which uh, I just read from, this was penned by Srila Prabhupada in the early 1960s, when Srila Prabhupada was living in Vrindavan and Delhi. Now, if we go back to that time, compared to modern India, or compared to modern America, it would seem that the society was almost idyllic, because at that time, the uh, it wasn't as degraded as now. But Srila Prabhupada caught, he felt the pulse, oh, I can't feel it just here, felt the pulse that, although there wasn't so much opportunity for sense gratification in India at that time, as there is now, but the the mood of the people was very much going toward that. Historically, if we see that uh, the so-called Pandit, who became the first Prime Minister of so-called independent India, he promoted that. In fact, everyone, all of India, they got independence from the British, but they thought that it, we want political independence to build up the country to become like Britain, to become like the West with with motor cars and trains and factories and dams and all this kind of thing. Actually, Gandhi was against that. Anyway, but Gandhi got shot. Not only his body got shot, but the good ideas he got, they were also uh, abandoned. So Srila Prabhupada is writing this in India at this time, and he hadn't been to the West. Uh, how much more these uh, statements are uh, manifest in the West. Srila Prabhupada writes, the completely bewildered material civilization. People, people are thinking, now we're making progress. Nowadays in America, I don't think you hear, people don't think that, do they? We're making progress, they're just thinking how to how to avoid this nightmare we've got ourselves into. But still in India, people think, we're making progress, we're developing, we're going to be a superpower, and this and that. And they still have this big illusion. So Srila Prabhupada writes about the completely bewildered material civilization is wrongly directed toward the fulfillment of desires in sense gratification. Everything in, in politics, social service, altruism, philanthropy... So we want to change all this. We want to say this. We want to. We want to the the aim of this Krishna conscious movement, we could say, is to rewrite this purport, to change the world, that the completely enlightened, spiritually minded civilization is properly directed toward the fulfillment of desires in Krishna consciousness. I just restated the first sentence. We can go through the whole purport like that. In such a civilization, in all spheres of life, the ultimate end is to please Krishna. Prabhupada wrote sense gratification, but we're looking to the future, hopefully. It won't 
it's not manifest now. In politics, social service, altruism, philanthropy, and ultimately in religion or even in salvation, the very same aim of Krishna consciousness is ever increasingly predominant. In the political field, the leaders of men cooperate with one another. Here it says fight with one another. Cooperate with one another to uh, please Krishna. The voters adore the so-called leaders only when they promise Krishna consciousness. The leaders always satisfy the voters by giving them Krishna consciousness. The same as a... So like this... We want to change the whole society. It's a long way to go. That was Prabhupada's aim. He wanted to make the whole world Krishna conscious. We have to begin with ourselves. To take up Krishna consciousness is a very a serious undertaking. It means to, uh, yes, to approach Krishna. But even to approach Krishna one has to be prepared to give up sense gratification. Now, um, there's one comment here. Srila Prabhupada could have commented on so many, in so many other ways, about so many other points of the materialistic civilization. But uh, Srila Prabhupada talks here about family planning. There's this idea that, well, we have to decrease the population of the world by family planning. Although Srila Prabhupada always said that the, if the earth can support a huge population, there's the idea the earth cannot support such a big population. But we find that in the, we find in Srimad Bhagavatam that the number of bodyguards of uh, Ugrasena exceeded the present population of the world. Yeah. Even the number of uh, maidservants that was given by uh, King Nagnajit when his daughter Nagnajiti, otherwise known as Satya, that came to, like, you know, I, it, because it says he gave so many chariots, so many horses, and then ten times the number of elephants, and ten times the number of... If you calculate the number of servants, men servants and maidservants he gave, it was like several billion people. So they're all living in Dwaraka. You believe that? They're all living in Dwaraka, off the coast of present state of Gujarat. Well, if you're not ready to believe that, then again, don't don't go for all this Qatar listening to so many nice stories. It'll just be fairy stories for you. First one has to have full faith in the message of Srimad Bhagavatam. You may say, how is that possible? Everything's possible for Krishna. People ask, how can Krishna marry 16,108 wives? Why only 16,108? For Krishna, that's a very small number. He's... he's uh, he, interacting with unlimited numbers of devotees. He expands himself into 16,108 forms and interacts personally with every single one of them. So everything's possible for Krishna. The, the earth can support much bigger population. Even now, there's so much... Uh, with this uh, factory farming, they, they produce corn, and with the, pres with the same... 
uh, if, if people were vegetarians, then they could feed so many more people. If all these useless things, tea, coffee, chocolate, tobacco, so much of the world's crops uh, are uh, all these useless products. Instead, they could grow food for people. So actually, the earth can support many more people. This propaganda of family planning, it's just another way of cheating people, that's all. So, in modern society, their technological advancement has made this possible by abortion, very easy abortion, and contraception, very easily uh, people can... It gives people the facility to enjoy sense gratification without taking the natural... without the natural result, children, and the responsibility that goes with that. So this is all sinful, and uh, as people engage in sense gratification more and more, then uh, they, they cannot understand Krishna consciousness. Or even if they take to Krishna consciousness because they're engaged in sense gratification, then uh, they cannot prop- no one can properly advance in Krishna consciousness. So, there are some basic rules. No meat-eating. Actually, there no meat-eating. The real rule is only take Krishna prasadam. Not, not that you just buy some vegetarian food. No, you have to offer... Krishna says, Patrang pushpang palantoyam yome bhaktya prayachati tadahang bhakti upahritam asnami prayatatmanaha We can offer to Krishna that which is cooked by devotees with love for him then we can take Krishna Prasad. If we take anything else, it sends gratification. It blocks advancement in Krishna consciousness. So like that, no meat-eating, no gambling, no illicit sex. Illicit sex, at the most basic level, that should be uh, within marriage. Of course, nowadays marriage means you get married once, Divorce, marry again, divorce, marry again, divorce. Well, that's not, there's no real meaning to such marriage. But even within marriage, uh, the idea that, well, marriage is meant for enjoying, fun, enjoy the wife, or have enjoyment with the husband. But that's not, even, even to follow basic dharma, uh, that is not the point. The one marries for the sake of uh, perform. One should marry for the sake of performing dharma. That's why it's called vivaha sanska. It's a it's a ceremony that one undertakes for the sake of performing dharma. Nowadays in uh, in India, the marriage is uh, well, especially in North India, it's just something bizarre with loud Bollywood music and very horrible actually. Just an atmosphere of gross sense gratification. And the, the priests, they they just mumble something. They don't know what even they're mumbling. And it's all over. Previously the marriage would be like in a higher caste would be like seven days. Now if they can finish in seven minutes, better. Maximum they'll take Two, two hours or three hours and then the priest will rush off and go and do another one somewhere else like that so uh, then uh, marriage breaks down because why there's no 
It's not a dharmic function. It's not a religious function. It's only for sense gratification. Therefore, people break up because sense gratification doesn't give happiness. Therefore, people are discontent. And then, and there's facility for that. The law allows it, what it shouldn't allow. And so the whole, I mean, in so many ways, the society is such a mess. And our devotees are living in the middle of it. <laughs> and it's not that just when we take to Krishna consciousness that we automatically get free from it. We're still living in the middle of it. And we're still, we've been raised in this society. And we have so many, our whole way of thinking is, uh, has been framed by this modern society, which is completely bewildered, Srila Prabhupada here, wrongly directed. And, but unless we're thoroughly trained to uh, understand what is Krishna conscious in all aspects, then even if we're chanting, we're still, um, our basic mentality is following the way of life that we were raised in because we don't know anything else. Unless we're taught, not just taught, but trained to think otherwise, to, under, to understand what is the purpose of life and how to attain it, then we're going to remain with the same completely bewildered, wrongly directed way of thinking. Just like thinking, well, it's very important for me to have a big job and a big car and a big house. And unless someone tells us that in Krishna, if we're actually going to be in Krishna consciousness, um, then, for instance, we don't take, uh, we don't just buy any old bread or something and so-called offer it to Krishna and eat it. Or we don't eat food cooked by non-devotees. We don't engage in uh, contraceptive sex unless someone tells us. Then we'll just, people will just go on. And then, where's the Krishna consciousness? We may discuss, Vadanti Tattvavidas, what is the nature of the Absolute Truth? We may do our Bhakti Shastri, and alright, that's all very nice, but what about the basics? There's, there's some basic uh, adhikar, or eligibility is required to be able to even make any advancement. Otherwise, it becomes... Uh, a religion, a religious path, in the sense of a social activity or a pious activity. But, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, Kam, Krod, Lob, Moham, Madadi, Abhishta, Eshab, Nachare, Kise, Pabe, Radha, Krishna. We can talk about Radha, Krishna, but unless we overcome lust, greed, anger, Kam, Krod, Lob, moha, illusion, mada, this uh, arrogance, uh, conceit, and uh, envy, then where is the question of attaining Radha and Krishna? Now, of course, harer nama, harer nama, harer nama, eva kevalam, kalo nasjeva, 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 gatiranyata, chanting Hare Krishna. That will, that is the uh, yuga dharma. But that must be accompanied by the uh, intense endeavor 
to overcome all wrong ways of thinking, which is possible if we, first of all, we have to understand that our whole way of thinking has been wrongly formed because we've been wrongly, we've wrongly informed, we've been misinformed about the actual purpose of life. So we require to be informed about how to overcome these uh, unarthas or unwanted activities and unwanted uh, proclivities that stop our advancement in Krishna consciousness. Otherwise, we can go on chanting, but we won't attain the ultimate goal. Bahu janma kare jodi shravan kirtan tobuta napai krishna pade premadam. If we uh, commit offenses, even though we are superficially engaged in the process of Krishna consciousness, if we don't follow the process properly, then we can go for, even for many lives apparently practicing Krishna consciousness, but we won't actually attain to Krishna praying. So, then what's the point? Talking of it is easy, but we actually have to practice uh, very seriously. And we have to, in the beginning, we have to understand what we have to do to become Krishna conscious. Otherwise, it's like uh, rowing a boat with the anchor attached to, or with, with the boat is tied up to a post and we're rowing. So we're working very hard, rowing the boat, rowing the boat, rowing the boat. But we don't go anywhere because we're tied up. So, uh, this is the beginning. I'm observing that in many places, although devotees are doing many of the activities of Krishna consciousness, but they never got the right, they were never told, somehow or other, they were never told in the beginning all the things they should know. So that we find that devotees are even initiated like 10 years or something, and they, they, know, they don't know that they're not supposed to eat food cooked by non-devotees, they're not supposed to worship demigods, they're not supposed to engage in contraceptive sex, then they're supposed to read all of Prabhupada's books. They don't know. No one tells them. So I'm telling you. I hope someone else told you before this. But if no one else told you, I'm telling you. So please do that. Then you can advance nicely in Krishna consciousness. So Hare Krishna, that's all I'm going to say. It's a long way to go back to the temple in Chicago. So if anyone has any questions, comments, or protests, you're welcome to speak them now. You have a question. Do you have any extension, Mike? Well, maybe. But all right, please speak now. Wonderful. It was wonderful. What was wonderful about it? It's very strong. So that 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 um, that excited wonder in you. That means you don't generally hear strong lectures, is it? It's a strong message. Yeah, but the message of Krishna consciousness is strong, isn't it? Every verse of Bhagavad Gita is strong. So if you found the lecture wonderful, then either you're highly appreciative or you're not hearing lectures the way Prabhupada used to give them. Because did you listen to Prabhupada's lectures?
You listen to them regularly, yeah. It's a strong message. The message is strong. That's what we need. We need strong medicine. We're all being carried away by the waves of Maya. So we need a, a strong message. It's strong, but yeah, if, unless we're told these things, how will we know? And it's not just a matter of saying it once. We have to hear again and again. We may, we may hear this once, but all the time our mind is going in the other direction. So we have to hear it again and again, isn't it? And if we don't hear it again and again, then, then we'll just forget it. That's the nature of Maya. Yeah, so please. The question was like, uh, once some individual taken a step, right? he, is, he is believing he is in agreement in uh, the philosophy. He's in agreement with the philosophy. That's another bogus way of talking. Don't mind me saying so. But that comes from the kind of education you have had. The people say, well, I agree with this. What the hell does it matter whether you agree with it or not? The fact is the fact. It's not, I agree with it. Oh, okay, then. You're giving your stamp of approval. But the reality is as it is. It's whether we agree with it or not doesn't make any difference. We should understand what reality is. To say, I agree, then it's like, you know, I agree. Says, Krishna has to get our endorsement. So, just you, we don't even understand how contaminating this whole modern way of life is. That we make statements like that, which sounds, it's actually very condescending. It sounds like we're, I'm not blaming you because you're... You're, well, I have to say that. Actually, you should be blamed, but you're just another victim of this sick education system in which you say, I agree. What? Like, you, know, you put yourself on such a high pedestal that I agree. Oh, yes, okay, then it's okay, because I agree. But that's not the way to hear. You see, our whole approach is so so perverse that we can't even begin to hear spiritual knowledge because all the time, by the way we've been trained, we are thinking, "Does it? Do I agree? Do I agree? Do I agree?" But the point is not whether we agree or not, but what is the actual reality? We should understand that we are in a, we are anadi karmafale poribhavarnavajale. We have fallen in the ocean of material existence. So it's not it's not like some kind of buffet system where okay I like that okay I'll accept that I don't like that I won't accept that but rather we are in a very precarious position we need to we need to hear what is for our benefit like Arjuna he came to that position he he, he was uh, understanding I need to take guidance not like well I agree okay I agree but yeah I agree with this, I don't agree with that. But who are we? We are very tiny little beings. So we need to hear the message of the absolute truth. And it's not, it's not for us to judge. We, we are not the arbiters of the truth, whether what's right and what's wrong. We should try to understand what reality is by hearing Bhagavad Gita from Krishna. Anyway, that's the way people talk. I agree. But just try to understand 
What a diseased mentality comes with that. Okay, so what did you agree with? What did you deign to agree? Yeah, the, the fact is, the whole culture is so bad, we don't know even how to think in, in even a slightly properly way. We're trained to think in such a bad way. We're trained to think, well, if something, if something is good for what I think is right, then okay, that's, that's good. What's good for my sense gratification? It's such a bad training. So, yeah, often we find that people, they, they don't even know how to, they don't even know how to ask questions properly at all. The, the training is so bad. The light in here is also very bad. It's, oh, that's the fan is making it flicker. It's like a strobe effect. It's very bad for the eyes, by the way. Do we need this fan? We can turn it off. We need to have our eyes good, not for, so we can look at things for sense gratification, so we can read the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah, so anyway, you, I'll, I'll try to listen to what you're saying. We're supposed to be empathic listeners. <laughs> yeah. What, speak in the mic now that you have it. With so much impurity that I carry, I can't hope for a gradual progress. What you have been talking about, just stop it. Um, it's easy to say just stop it. And maybe, you know, once in a thousand people can do it. Mm. But I don't think it's practical to me. Yeah, you don't think it's practical to immediately stop all this. You can think you can do so gradually. All right, that's good. You have the idea to come gradually. But first you should un at least understand the principle. Without understanding the principle, then you can't even begin to progress toward the goal. So that's why the, the process is there of sadhana bhakti, of gradual advancement. But we have to know where we're going. We have to hear all these things regularly. Otherwise, we won't make advancement. So, yeah. That's understood. And it may not be that we cut off immediately. Better we do. But sadhana bhakti is there. But even to follow sadhana bhakti properly, there are certain rules that one has to follow, without following which we cannot properly make advancement. That should be understood. Yeah, someone else is going to say something? <coughs> Yes, speak into the mic so that everyone can hear. Thank you for giving us the proper medicine so we can hear what we need to hear for advancing the consciousness. So I'm a little nervous that you have these questions. Uh, so my question, sorry for the time, I'll be able to, to ask a question from the else. Just hoping for the benefit of me and the assembled members here. Um, so, could you, could you give us uh, the sources so we, can, uh, so we know, um, so we know the, the, the principles that follow for Sadhana Bhakti? Mm -hmm. Like you're mentioning more about uh, the contraception and Well, in the beginning, of course, we just ask everyone to come, chant Hare Krishna, take prasadam 
and all these things. But then if one is serious and one wants to be initiated, then there are certain rules one has to follow. And then real advancement begins. Without that, one cannot make proper advancement. Therefore, these rules are there for for initiation. There are certain rules, right? There's no rule for anyone just to come and join and sing and dance with us. We welcome everyone. But then if someone wants to be serious, and we're pushing people to be serious, because without being serious one cannot attain the actual goal of human life, then there are certain rules to be followed. Everything stated in the scriptures, yeah, but the scriptures also say that we should hear from people who are following those scriptures. So we should speak what is in Shastra. We should hear that. In Shastra, there are so many things stated, and uh, those who speak on that, they speak on topics that are particularly suitable for those persons who are listening. That's why we find Srila Prabhupada, he, he came in the, in the Sampradaya of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in which the ultimate goal is to join the Rasalila. That's what Prabhupada states in one of his purports in the songbook. But on the other hand, Prabhupada didn't talk very much about Ras Lila or Gopis because he talked at the level that we need to understand and practice at. Uh, and not only for our own practice, but for preaching in the world also. We need to understand all these points very clearly. Because, yeah, I mean, we are living in this whole great society which appears to be very successful and dynamic and the propaganda is there that this is, I mean, the, all these people have come from India because the idea is life is better here. There's more opportunity for money making and leading a comfortable life and so on. So people are, the whole atmosphere is one that that this is real, this is the apex of civilization. We all descended from monkeys and now we've come up to the, this after coming up from cavemen and then medieval man and then the industrial revolution and modern America is the apex of evolution. So that's the propaganda. And directly or subtly that's there in the schools, in the newspapers, in the TV, Everyone believes it, but it's bogus. This society is, uh, people are not happy, and the, the, average acti- the average activities that the average person in America does in one day is enough to give them severe punishment for many lifetimes. So it's a very inauspicious society. So we need, we need to distinguish this illusion from the reality, as Srila Prabhupada always did. So, these things should be discussed. Yeah, anything else? Please pass the mic back to those who are putting their hands up. I have a question. Uh, Harman was asking me the other day, he was, he was one of my boys, about the 
picture behind you, you see Shubhendra Swami's yeah. Corporation Maharaj. Yeah. But later on, the boys notice Shubhendra Swami speaking, but his guru is sitting there and he's not speaking. Yeah. Could you explain that pastime? That Siddhartha of yeah, uh, Vyasa is sitting and listening to Shuka, and Narad, who's Vyasa is the guru of Shukadev, and Narad is there also, and he's also the guru of Vyas. So that's exceptional. That uh, disciple may be able to elaborate the topic even better. He uh, may be. Otherwise, if that was not the case, then the then the parampara would be always in decline, is it not? Also, a guru may like to hear his disciples speak. Prabhupada sometimes listens to his disciples speak. I know myself, obviously, you know, I'm nowhere near the level of Narada, Vyasa, and Shuka, but often in discussion with my disciples, I learn so many things. They've they've studied, they've heard, they've served, and they get various realizations and so we hear from Guru and a highly qualified disciple his Guru may like to hear from him there are other cases also Madhva he corrected his Guru his original his Diksha Guru was a Mayavadi and Madhva corrected him <laughs> So there are cases like that also. Same with Ramanuja and Yadav Prakash. Yadav Prakash was an offensive Mayavadi and Ramanuja corrected him. Yeah, please pass the mic. Hare Krishna, the roles that were given are, are beautiful roles. And, and sometimes we may talk about them as if they're horrible austerities. Mm. But we're asked to give up food that's bad for our health. And we're asked to not put poisons in our body. Uh, we're asked not to risk our, our life, not only um, life here on earth, but our spiritual life. And, and we're, asked, um, we're asked to use our sexuality for what it's made for and what we do with our sexuality and in, in this world of ours today is we use it so destructively mm. objects of other people husbands don't love their wives wives can't depend on their husbands for shelter um, children are, are hurt in the whole process of the lack of love and focus on marriage is about life it's not about my selfish desires, my body's desires. And our, and our friends, that's what we really want. We're just lying to ourselves. It's a, it's a joy. These, you know, and, and I, as a father, I raise children. But when you raise them, you try to let your children know that you have rules, not because you love them. Mm, very good point. Thank you very much. That these rules that... They may appear to be restrictive, but they actually open our life to the much. It makes our life much better. It's not. It's not like some kind of club you on the head. Well, it is that. That is there also. Um, 
Srila Prabhupada in this purport is strongly pointing out the uh, the negativity of engagement in sense gratification. But the fact is that when we get through that, then we come, then we can come to the beauty of Krishna consciousness. It's really for our own benefit. And I'm speaking this here to all of you, actually not just for all of you, but uh, for any others who may wish to listen any time, because because it's understood that you are, as I said, you are attracted to Krishna. You're not. You're the few out of the many, many others who should be coming. But there are some points which we need to understand also. Definitely Krishna is... I, in, in other words, I wouldn't have said this to a completely new crowd. People are just newly coming. We don't say this. But it's assumed that you're all serious about Krishna consciousness. That's why you've come here this evening. So, again, thank you for coming. And thank you for making that excellent point. There's another question. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I would like to know, like, uh, how to keep uh, in humble mode all the time. uh, You're not humble all the time? Like, be in Krishna consciousness and Ah. be humble. You're not humble? What are you proud about? Proud uh, about like anything that comes in negative things. Like you know, makes though I pray, I don't want to be humble. Like you know, proud. Ah, but, but what are you proud about? Any material things that come because no, no. If you be specific, like any reward that comes in office, like you know, anything that comes up, like some reward is given to you. Then you become proud. Like what, for instance? <laughs> At work, uh, we had some recent, uh, like, uh, some goal, like, you know, goals that needs to be achieved, and people who achieved it, like, you know, then they kind of give a reward. And then you became proud. And, like, and also, like, any... Like, I, you please read Srila Prabhupada's books every day. And then you'll understand how completely petty Everything in this material world is. There's nothing to be proud about. If we understand that we have absolutely nothing to be proud about, then why should we be proud? But the mind is so... Then you please read Srila Prabhupada's books every day. Let Prabhupada, let your mind be shaped by Prabhupada instead of by your boss at work and your colleagues at work who are completely blind to the goal of life. In fact, I don't know if you're ready to hear this or not, but I would say it anyway. But I'm, I'm not at all in favor of women going to work anyway. <laughs> Street dharma is to have children and look after them. Not to mix up with all kinds of people. That in itself is ananartha. Not healthy, socially or spiritually. Or even physically, for that matter, because women don't have children and then they get so many diseases and psychologically. Anyway, <laughs> who's going to say these things? Now you're shocked. But it's a fact. Street dharma is to be humble, actually, and serve the husband, the elders, the guests, 
This is street dharma. Street dharma is excellent for being humble. If you don't follow the dharma that comes with your body, definitely you're going to have so many problems. Yeah, then? And that's true actually for all. I mean, Srila Prabhupada recommended that we... We know that not everyone is ready to do this, but for those who are ready to do it, to lead a simple life uh, without amassing so many different objects. Well, that in itself... Then we don't have to struggle with our mind in so many ways because if we if we lead a life in which we're trying to get so many different objects then automatically the mind is going off in the wrong course anyway so if we live simply uh, then that's uh, that's natural for that's a natural way to cultivate krishna consciousness it's you you can't if on the fire, if you're pouring petrol on one side and water on the other, you're not going to get a good fire, are you? So if you're asking how to control the mind when you're living a life which is just the antithetic to controlling the mind, it's like it's like asking how can I get a good fire? I'm, see, I'm pouring in the petrol, I'm chanting Hare Krishna. But at the same time, if you're pouring water from the other side, then it's, uh, where's the question of, of uh, having a good fire burning? Yes, please. Thank you, Maharaj. My question is, if we are not Krishna conscious, we will fall in Maya anyway. Well, not being in Krishna conscious means being in Maya. It's not falling in Maya, you're already in Maya. Yeah. So, if you're trying to become... How do you overcome that? Again, read Prabhupada's books. Understand how insignificant we are and how weak we are. We say, if we think, I'm doing so great in Krishna consciousness, then uh, we understand that already Maya has caught us, just by thinking that. How weak we are. That we do some little activity and we think we're so great. How foolish we are. Please read all of Srila Prabhupada's books. That will help you immensely. But then don't become proud. Now I've read all the books. <laughs> You always, we always have to catch ourselves. So the, the Raghunath Das Goswami, what does he recommend in this regard? Does anyone know? Sadadambham Hidva. Always give up pride. It has to be a constant meditation. So, Hare Krishna, I'll finish there. Again, thank you for coming. I don't know if you'll come again if I come. But in one sense, I don't mind either, because if anyone comes, I'll be happy. If anyone comes again, I'll be happy. If, if there's one person to hear what needs to be heard, that's enough. And if there's no one, then what to do? But we, we shouldn't cease to speak what people need to hear because they don't want to hear.